Hannah Tonk. Welcome to How to Be Human, a podcast that explores the common and often confusing themes of humanness. Hi, everybody. I feel very aware of all the background noise today. I feel like for the most part, I've been pretty blessed in that my living in New York isn't usually a factor in recording, but today they're working on the roof of my building and it's loud, y'all. It's not fun. And then there's a car going buck wild behind me. So apologies. But anyway, it doesn't mean that episode 72 with Effie Terry of Organize that is not amazing. So I've talked about some of my own struggles struggles with organizing and things like that. And, or I, you know, I've referred to myself as a hoarder and I shouldn't throw that around because I don't, I don't know where I fall on that spectrum, but I was thrilled when Effie reached out to me about coming on the podcast because something I feel really strongly about is that a lot of us avoid getting the help or talking to experts about the things we struggle with because we think they're going to judge us. We're going to, we, we have this belief of like, oh my God, they're so good at that. There's no way they could understand me. And Effie to me was this perfect example of like, no, that's exactly who you should be talking to. That experts often in things are the people with the least amount of judgment because they really understand what you're dealing with. So we talked a lot about organizing and how it doesn't mean you're a better person, but it does mean it, it can, you know, have benefits on your mental health. So please enjoy episode 72 with Effie Terry. All right. I'm very excited today because our guest is super interesting, but also I'm excited selfishly for myself to ask all these questions as someone who I guess I have been outing myself a bit more lately as a bit of a hoarder. I'm a little bit of a hoarder, a little bit of an emotional hoarder, all of the hoarding. And our guest today is Effie Terry, who is an organizational expert, which how did you even get into that, Effie? Like, did you just notice that you were very organized and tidy and were like, let me figure out the science of this and make it a biz? Or are you a recovered hoarder? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in retrospect, I can see I was right on brand from childhood. But <laughs> we fast forward a little bit. I was working in the corporate world for about 26, almost 27 years. Oh. And I was a project manager organizing large scale events abroad and locally in Canada. And it, we were with the television uh, landscape was everything was moving to digital things. There were some la layoffs. And so I raised my hand and I was took a layoff from, from that world. And so I got out, you know, into, into the real world and I'm like, what am I going to do with myself? I'm going to take <laughs> a break. And so I did a little bit of, I actually took a course in mediation because I thought I love helping people, uh, dispute resolution. That was right up. I've always been uh, kind of a natural board facilitator. So I thought this is my thing. Took that course, spent a lot of money, went to a conference, <laughs> realized I was up against lawyers and judges mm. or clients. So I put that little tool in my toolkit and moved on. 
Then I went and helped uh, at a company doing some staging, you know, when they sell houses. Yeah. And one of the ladies uh, turns to me and she mentioned the professional organizers in Canada. And my head literally spinned around. And I said, <laughs> what is that? And that was that was probably in 2018. Uh, mm. As soon as that. So I started my business in 2017 doing organizing, but not knowing that this was a career. So in 2018, I found out about this and I said, this professional organizing is a thing. Like people get paid to go into people's houses and create order. And they said, yes. And so I went to a meeting and that's where things started. And I also, um, at the time, I think prior to professional organizers in Canada, I had heard about Marie Kondo. I had read Marie Kondo's book. I wanted to sure. Kondo, Kanmari, my thing. <laughs> and in, on the back of one of her books, she had a, I saw there was a course in New York City and at the time, I was just kind of following, like, I felt I need to just follow things that speak to my heart. So I wasn't even yeah. looking for a career. Went to New York, did Marie Kondo's course. And being Canadian from the North, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a spiritual person, but I thought this is, okay, what is this? Like, it was very foreign to me because it was based in kind of more of a spiritual, you know, what is your ideal lifestyle? But it, it resonated with me. And I thought, okay, I'm among my people came back, did the professional organizers in Canada course, and then taking clients, I found that a lot of my clients were not a one solution fits all. And so for some reason, I had, I would say 75 to 80% of the people that were coming to me asking for help were neurodiverse. So on the, perhaps on the autism spectrum, ADHD, ADD, and I thought, okay, I need to level up because if I need to help people, a strategy that works for someone um, that does not have ADHD versus someone that does is not going to be effective, not sustainable. And I then I started taking uh, courses through the, it's called the Institute for Challenging Disorganization. And that's where I got all of my, my it's a very it's an amazing, professional organizers in Canada is amazing. ICD is amazing. They have all kinds of courses to help you with people who are suffering from either physical challenges, cognitive challenges. Uh, and I learned it just oh. opened up my world so much. Sorry. I, when I geek out about organizing, I have to remind myself that Anna's on. The- <laughs> no, this is, I, this is all fascinating to me because something we were talking about before we started recording is, I like to challenge for people this idea that like experts are judgmental. Lots of times when when we need help, this idea of like people who are experts at something will judge us or will, you know, like will be too much for them or something. I love how quickly, you know, in your career, you were like, wait a minute, there's this whole group of people that like this you know, one size all doesn't fit. And rather than being like, let me cast that to the side or like, let somebody else deal with that. I love that you, you sought out more education. And I, it, of course, of course you were a project manager. Like that is such a like type of person. And as someone who produced for many years and was always like, had such admiration for, for project managers. Cause I was like, I would not want to do your job for all the money in the world, but there was no one I ever like appreciated and valued more because that's who keeps the wheels 
on. Like that's who keeps everything running, who knows everything. Like the brain of any production is not the director, is not the star, is not that. It is the project manager of the person who knows who's getting paid. Your career trajectory is really interesting. I love that you were like mediation. Like I, that makes sense to me as well. And I can imagine that moment of going, oh shit, I'm like up against a judge or something like whoops, you know. I think a lot of times people don't access care or access help or things like that because they're like afraid of this judgment. And I think your enthusiasm really speaks to why you might want to get an expert involved, you know, because no one better understands. Like when I started getting over maybe some of my own shame about things and being like, I, you know, like for me, a, a really big indicator for that was like eating disorder treatment when I was like, I do some wacky shit, you know, and I don't, I'm not hearing about it from other people. Or I remember the first time I with my nutritionist when she said stuff, she's like, do you ever feel this way? Do you ever have thoughts like this? And I was like, yes. And I have told no one, you know, that I, it really resonated for, and clicked into place for me of like, go to experts, go to people who understand this. And for me, I've been in this own, pro- it, literally when you DM'd me, it was hilarious. I was in the middle of like, a big purge in my in my apartment and I was like never has this topic been more relevant for me (laughs) of this like lifelong struggle and it's interesting to me that I can be very organized like in my professional life you know I produce this podcast on my own I do have help with my editor and Lauren from the wave and things like that but for the most part it's me and yet I cannot find a system for my fucking books And I appreciated when you DM'd me that you were like, I really would like to talk about how like organization can support mental health and it's not a moral failing. Do you think organization is sort of like diets in the sense that it does give somebody something to be superior about? Like it is it it can be tempting in that, but that's such a limited view of it, because I think I resist it sometimes of like the people it attracts to be like, Oh, you know, and something I hear a lot from people as well is if they grew up in homes that were a bit hoardy, they're very kind of sanctimonious about minimalism now. And I just some kind of like, why can't like, why does this have to be imbued with so much? stuff and we can't just sort of see people are different and people have different approaches to organization or relationships with objects or what you know it seems like you've gone into this with a lot of observation and compassion yeah well i mean full disclosure when i first went into this and not knowing about adhd not having the education around what i did i had thoughts like of course why am i able to do this and someone else is not like what is it and that's where I started scratching that like why because I need Mm -hmm. need to know it's like I always need to know why and it's not a moral imperative I think it comes also from like you know the the 50s and the the shows where mom Mm -hmm. was in the apron and she was doing everything and myself like I have a Greek mom who did everything I mean (laughs) I want I wash the dishes and she would come behind me and rewash them and (laughs) nothing was ever you know we would leave the house and she would follow us with a broom and so so I, I had my own like thoughts about that but then I I was like there's got to be something more to this because there are because it causes so much pain in people as well and yeah that's, that's the tipping point not everybody has to be tidy not everybody has to have you know that Pinterest aesthetic the tipping point is when it affects your quality of life and when it starts to 
And sometimes people don't know this until it's the tipping point, until it's too late. And that's typically when I get called. And so I want to, I tell people right away, like, give yourself some grace, forgive yourself. Not everything has to be hung up on velvet hangers. If you'd <laughs> like that, if you want me to rainbow organize your books, I can do that. But it's going to be a slice in time, a snapshot in time. And if you can't sustain that, I don't want people to feel less than because they can't maintain a system that's not working for their brain. And it's not that, so ADHD, oh my God, like I don't have ADHD, but the clients I work with, creative, smart, that hyper-focus, for some people it's not um, it's not a deficit because research scientists, artists, painters, they can hyper-focus and get what they need to get done. It's that kind of pulling back out where that might be the executive function challenge that we were talking about earlier. So I felt I could best help people by setting the stage and saying, you know, give yourself some grace. We're, we're all different. Doesn't mean one we're less than or more than we're just different. I mean, myself too, I have, and it's actually been diagnosed. So I don't just, I don't banter around mental health uh, terms uh, freely, but I do have some OCD and it's, it ramps up when under times of stress. So I feel sometimes debilitated by leaving the house and feeling the ovens on the door is not locked. And so that those are my kinds of challenges. And why I started becoming organist, I feel um, it was like to control my environment a little bit more. And sure. so by having less things, for example, I don't feel like part of OCD, like I've lost something. So mm. I can find things easier because I have less stuff to manage. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's a really good hack for ADHD. Less <laughs> stuff to manage, less yeah. stuff to tidy, clean, less clothes. And I know it sounds a little trite, but honestly, simplification is like one of the best strategies to, to being organized. It's a, it's a good motivator. Like I was just in Guatemala with my family and they were making fun of me because I wasn't shopping. And I was like, I just did a purge. Like I'm not trying to bring more into my home. And, and for what, you know, like we've been going to Guatemala for years. Like I'm good on worry dolls. I'm good on textiles. I've gotten it in multiple trips. Like, and it, it is helpful, I think, to like, check in and remind yourself of those things. It's interesting. I'm glad you brought up your mental health because that also must give you a point of connection of like you're coming at it from this other angle that is driven by your mental health with neurodivergence or ADHD or ADD or any of these things. Like it, it is similar. Your environment in these things is impactful on your mental health even if your executive functioning doesn't necessarily set you up for the success to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Something that happens to me, and I'd be curious to know, one, what is your process? Like when you first come into someone's home and you're sort of like getting the lay of the land, you know, like you're the expert. So I assume you're going to make recommendations and say, in, in my experience, do blah, blah, blah. But I'm curious what helps you come to that. For me, there's always a little bit of like this tipping point of when it becomes overwhelming, where it's like I may be barely staying on top of something and then it's like maybe I get sick or things get stressful or something. And it's 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 like anything else of when you break a habit of like, you know, you get sick, you quit going to the gym and then before you know it, it's been a month, you know, like I can come back from a trip and not unpack until the next time I need my suitcase. You know, like, what do you suggest for maybe people getting ahead of those tipping points of like, 
I think like with organizations specifically, when you get overwhelmed is when you you tend to be a bit sunk. And what are ways we can maybe prevent the overwhelm knowing this isn't something that like we're naturally inclined to or are there ways that you can protect yourself from the overwhelm? But I also am curious how you go in and sort of assess people. You know, because I don't think it sounds like from what you're saying, I don't think it's as cut and dry as you go in and you go, we got a lot of stuff. Like, let's get some shelves. You know, there's emotional you're do. I mean, you're reading, you're you're reading people. You're I think you're probably empathetic and you're picking up on emotions and you're kind of going something's been up in this home. And let me see what I can do to alleviate some of that. Like, I'm, I'm curious what your take is on it. And then like, as someone who is more inclined to, I think, staying on top of this, what some of your guidance is to people who maybe don't. Can I, I want to read a quote if I can, that I've posted on my Instagram and it, it, it describes, uh, and then I'll talk about the, what, what you had talked about. Yeah. Um, clutter's not just, so it's by, it's, it's a book called Inheriting Clutter by Julie Hall. And I just came across it. I'm part of a book club. Clutter is not just a physical problem. It's an emotional, mental, and spiritual one too. It represents a variety of struggles and setbacks in our lives, including grief, loss, lack of control, and indecision. But it can also represent hope, growth, change, and an opportunity to start anew. Mm. So I found that extremely powerful. A lot of people resonated with that. Uh, when When someone calls me for help, I start with an intake phone call. And I have a very good visual capability of Mm -hmm. painting a picture based on what people have told me because I've been in so many homes. Try not to make assumptions because we just don't know. So I start with uh, assessing readiness. um, Mm. I do, I have an hourly service. So I want to make sure that the person that's calling me understands that um, I, there has to be a certain readiness before I even enter your home because we'll, we'll just be, um, it will be a very expensive exercise. So what, <laughs> right. Yes. And what yeah. I suggest, and I do uh, coaching virtually as well. So um, I think it's really important. I'll do it like a very, I say half hour intake complimentary, like a, uh, on the phone, but we end up talking for an hour and I'm just, it, the more information I can get, the better I can help the client. So we talk about, and, and you alluded to this, it's not just the stuff. It's, it's really not the stuff. The stuff is the kind of like the symptom of what's going on. It's all the other stuff. Now, because I'm not a therapist, I have some background in psychology, but I'm not a therapist. I'm a professional organizer. I have to be very careful not to cross that therapy line. Uh, So I talk to people and ask them about, I I am a certified coach too, so I can help people move forward, but I don't really address, and I try to be trauma informed because I don't want to create, you know, uh, bring up any past trauma. Um, and so I'll, I'll do, I do an intake and I ask them if they want to share with me, if there is any neurodiversity, if there's anything going on mm. and people share a lot and, um, and I can quickly gauge, um, based on my, and I wouldn't be able to do this if I did not have the education that I have from the institutions that I've received my organization mm. training from very important because we talk about all of these kinds of things. So with ADHD comes certain executive function challenges, uh, there are so, socio, um, uh, social sometimes challenges for people. So once I do my intake, um, we assess, you know, how I can best help them. Is it virtually? Is it in person? Sometimes, um, uh, sometimes helping someone can be as simple as uh, a virtual call. Where have you heard of a term called body doubling? No. Okay, so body doubling is a really great strategy, whether you have ADHD or not. It's 
Think about going into a Starbucks with your laptop. You're mm-hmm. sitting, you bring your laptop, there's someone beside you. They have nothing to do with you, but they're there. And they're kind of acting as an anchor, all these anchors around you. Mm. And they're co-working. You're like, we're in this together. So as an organizer, I, I do that as well. That might be a strategy where you are blowing my <laughs> mind right now because call a friend, Anna, call a friend and I do. That is what the only times I've ever really done big organization someone else has been there and it has been they're not always actively helping me but like they're on the sofa or, or what you know like and and it was funny I was talking to my mom about this yesterday about like for me it's harder to be accountable to myself it's easier to be accountable to someone else and it's not even like projected onto them necessarily like you know like I have to do it for Effie so she's proud it's not even that it's just more like I take other people's time seriously or what, you know, that I'm like, if, if, you know, if Evie's showing up, then I'm going to show up, you know, like it's, it's more like that. It's like having a coach too. Yeah. You're blowing a a colleague of mine likened it to doing more reps with a trainer. Yes. It, 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 it like being witnessed sometimes is really powerful in that sense, but I never thought of it. You used a really uh, key word that I think is important. And when you are disorganized, you don't feel is anchored. You know, that feeling anchored mm-hmm. is really, um, you know, like in tarot, we have the the emperor and, and the empress and the empress is a lot about creativity and the empress is a lot about structure. And it's not just patriarchal in its views, but it, it, it's like we can really flourish when there's structure. We can really be creative if we feel safe and anchored and the in and protected. I hadn't thought about that. I'm like, I knew that this conversation was going to do this for me. I just didn't know in what context. And I'm like, this is, I'm like, be present, stay in the the conversation, Anna. But I'm like, this is like, uh, this is really illuminating to think about like adding that into my own repertoire. Like, how will that change things? That's really interesting. And I like what you said too about not being a therapist, because I'm similar of like when I'm, if I'm reading cards or something for somebody you you can't ignore the person. You can't ignore the emotions. Like that wouldn't be compassionate either. I just know well enough to know that I'm not qualified to monkey with them. And, right. and we just hold space. Yeah. As, as bearing witness, like you said. Yeah. Space for someone and allowing them to to release, you know, what's inside of them because a lot of people are afraid to do that and they don't have someone they can trust. Yeah. And, it, and it's such an honor when you can tell like like I think sometimes people get it twisted and and go above and beyond or violate boundaries and they're not meaning to they're really not trying to cause harm but it's ego driven and it's like if you can get your ego in check and you can see the honor that like I'm sure you are having conversations with people who have never admitted like I'm drowning, you know, and I, or I need help. And it's maybe the first time they're saying it. And I feel that way sometimes when people come for a reading and it's like the first time they're saying aloud, like I'm not happy. And it's like, that's a huge honor. I don't have to get into the full mental soup or try to fix them or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like it's so powerful just to hold space for that moment and to meet somebody with kindness or to say, we're going to, yeah. And like, we're going to figure it out. Like whatever that means. Like if for you, it's like, I mean, I refer out all the time or those sort of things. You're like, well, I absolutely. Maybe- if it's not me, I just want, I, I really yeah. do want people to get help. And if, if I feel, um, you know, they're delving too much into kind of that therapy, uh, I will say, you know, talk to your doctor, 
see what they have to say and then and then let's regroup and and it's because it's really a it's a it's a collaborative team effort it's a lot of mm. pieces to, to supporting someone like it takes a village as yeah. I say often the other, I wanted to mention one thing you talked about pride and ego mm-hmm. so it, I think it's a very important point to make and you said I want to make Effie proud I have to be really careful when I'm with clients that they're not doing that because it happens. People are like, I'm going to show her. And it's like, mm-hmm. I have nothing vested here other than I want you to be your best. When I leave, you may never call me again, but I want to leave you better than how I found you and give you some skills and strategies that will, that will help you. So it's not, it's not my ego to say, Effie, are you proud of me? It really has. I I, I want you to, to not even, it's not like pride. Pride is such a loaded word. I just, I, I don't even like that word. I don't, I, yeah. says, and I've said this before, I'm proud of you. It's kind of like you're, you're elevating yourself on. So I never tell my clients I'm proud of you because who am I to elevate myself to somebody else? Right. right. But I'm on this pedestal saying, I'm proud of you. Really pride should come, you know, it's within it's, it's, it's our, it's our own to have. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's for anyone to bestow upon us. Um, Again, because I just feel it's hubris a little bit. I agree. It's tricky, though, because I feel similar to you. But I've also noticed that, like, especially when friends do things that they were, like, scared to do or whatever, Mm -hmm. that it means a lot when I say I'm proud of you, you know? I think it's more like if you you really have to contextualize it and say, I'm really proud you made that phone call. I know it was hard, you know? Because other. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise you do. It does feel like a power imbalance, or it feels it feels weird. Yeah. I'm yeah. with you, or like condescending to be like, I'm so proud of it. Like, exactly. yeah, it's like it's weird. I'm with you. Exactly. Like, something you said I thought was interesting that a lot of your intake is about assessing readiness. Do you have a criteria for that, or is it more of an internal vibe sitch for you? No, if someone is fighting me. And saying, I don't have a problem. I just have a lot of stuff. I need, I'm going to sell it all on Facebook. And, um, <laughs> and, and, and these are the myths we tell ourselves. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm laughing. Flowing. So if someone says to me, I, I have an issue. It's affecting my quality of life. This is going to be really hard. I'm not. And the number one question people ask me when they call is, where do I begin? So people, mm. people need, they're looking for a guide and a roadmap and people will say to me, oh, you've never seen anything like this in your entire life. And it's like, people are not that different from each yeah. other. And you alluded to that earlier when you said some, you could have, you know, knock on wood, and, but you could have an accident. You could have like a, a situational illness. You could, so we're all just like a breath away from having some kind of either physical or cognitive challenge. And we'll find ourselves exactly. So you don't have to be someone with hoarding disorder to have a home that with that is hoarded with items. You could have had an accident and, and you're physically unable to, to do this for yourself. So there's lots of different reasons why people uh, maybe fall into disorganization. And it's like we said, it, it, who, who knows? There are a lot of root causes to chronic disorganization, but generally across the board, anybody could fall victim to to this in, in a short amount of time. You know, people used to talk about it a lot in terms of homelessness, you know, that, I mean, we shouldn't be judgmental of anyone who's unhoused anyway, but that, pe- you know, people are closer to that than they, they really want to think they are. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think with a lot of things that people can come out with a lot of judgment, 
really what they're expressing is their fear of like, you could be the same, the same thing could happen to you. Like you said, I mean, it's a, it's an accident. It's, you know, um, I know when work has been really busy for me, New, uh, kids coming into your life, like, you know, uh, parents, uh, illnesses, sandwich generation, there's all kind, you know, I mean, your parents may be healthy today, but who knows, you know, you're going to have to be a caregiver, maybe. Yeah. And then care for your own kids at the same time. So it's, uh, I, I went through that with my own dad, who he passed away in 2013. He had uh, dementia. And uh, my mom was a caregiver. And, uh, you know, my mom now, thank goodness, she's, she's in good health. But we don't know. It, it yeah. might not even be a senior. It might be someone in my own family who's younger or we just don't know. And that's why we need to come at this with compassion and empathy because, you know, it could be any of us. Yeah. It also speaks to the like fragility of just like focus that, you know, obviously when everything's great in your life, it's easier to maintain focus, mm -hmm. but it shows like how, you know, I think we all are really hard on ourselves about why we can't stay at like a hundred percent all the time. And, you know, I will hear this from friends. They'll be like, I don't know why I got so behind. Like it was just spring break or it was just, you know, and I recently had a good reminder when um my mom had a medical issue and I was sort of all hands on deck and like I got so behind in like 24 hours, you know, and I was like, wow, what a luxury it is that I get to maintain my focus so often. And I'm in control of my mental space so often that like I'm single. I don't have kids like, you know, there aren't people knocking on my I mean, like friends and everything, but like no one's really entitled to my attention other than myself. And what a like privilege that is. And the second, you know, it, it is sort of hijacked by things, um, how quickly things can like fall by the wayside is just really, I don't know. It's just humbling to me how quickly you can kind of be like, whoa, I forgot about that. Or like, you know, I laugh with my therapist all the time that I want life to be more set it and forget it than it is, you know? And I think these things that I t tend to struggle with, that that's what I'm looking for is like the silver bullet and really more it's me cultivating the practice of how do I return to this? And mm -hmm. I've found it in my apartment and in my organization that something that really helped me was breaking it down into bite size and yes. being like, yeah, that's a good do, yes. yeah. And do something every day and get better at doing some of that. Like now I've gotten better about my kitchen and my kitchen sink that I'm like, let's get into better habits about like no dirty dishes, you know, and that sort of thing. Cause it's easy and I enjoy it. You know, like I don't mind washing the thing and putting them in the dishwasher and empty. The, I, I like some of the ritual of it. So I've worked with myself, like same with laundry. I like doing laundry rather than letting it become this like 10 load, very easy. It's very easy to avoid something when it's a huge pain in the ass that I've now found like, Oh my God, it's so nice just to do one load of laundry. Like you know what I do, I use reward a lot in my own life too. And I tether habits to something pleasurable. So mm. if I hate doing the laundry, I'll turn on your podcast, listen to the podcast while I'm doing laundry. And I only allow myself to listen to the podcast if I'm doing laundry. So that's the reward. I keep it as something very special. And the whole point is not to necessarily have like, it, it, it's to have 
a simple enough life that you can reset it easier if you go on a trip and you come back or something happens to someone. I wanted to, to mention one other sort of challenge that comes up with this, not just about not being able to, but when it comes to this stuff, a lot of times us letting go and being able to edit our things, it, it's rooted in the past. We're processing our past when we go through our things. And, you know, myself, like I, I had a shirt that I have had for five years. I had it last time I did my branding photos. I was a certain weight and I'm going to keep it because I'm going to wear it again. And I'm going to be that person that I was five years ago. That's me being brutally honest, me yes. being stuck in the past. Today, I just said, no, I, I no, no more. And that's, that's something that I've been hanging on to. I'm an organizer for five years or four years, however long that was I can't remember, yeah. five years ago. And and I let that person go. It's like, okay, Effie, who you were in 2018, you're not her anymore. Thank you. Thank you. And with gratitude for that shirt and what I did with it. And and I'm going to move it along and, and release it out into the world to do some good for someone else. And, yeah. and, and, and we get stuck on these things from our past or valuations of things that we, you know, I think it's called the there's a, there's a term for it, but it's like, we value things because they belong to us. Yes. But really, they're not doing us any good. They're keeping us anchored or, or not anchored. They're keeping us stuck in the past. Let's move yeah. it, move it out and, and make space for new opportunities. Yeah. It's, it's and literally. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I think that there was an article about this in regards to like beanie babies and some of the things that people collect and then hold on to forever. I can't think of what it's called. It's not, you know, like we have like the sunk cost fallacy and uh, that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. But there yeah, is yeah. one for the term of when you overvalue something yeah. literally just because it's yours, which I think is just like yeah. so human and hilarious to me that that's my brother. Like when my brother was younger, he was obsessed with it's his baseball. The endowment effect. I was right. Endowment. Yes. Yeah. Why ownership makes you overvalue items. That's yes. Yeah. yeah. And it, it is, it is really funny and it makes me laugh. Like I, um, my brother collected baseball cards and when he was younger, he was like really annoying about it being like, this is going to be my retirement, this card. And so, well, my my mom's been getting stuff out of storage and I moved a lot as a kid and my, my mom, God bless her has just like stored our whole lives, like has schlepped it all over Atlanta, Georgia. And now it's come up to the, to New York and, and um, she gave him a bunch of his stuff. And so he's like, I'm going to go see what these baseball cards are worth. And they were worth nothing, yeah. which was like, I was like, honestly, I think you kind of like, you were such a tyrant about it as a child. I think like you cursed yourself, but um, I just went through that exercise with a client and, and it's very hard to find people to value items like this because you're, you're, you're bringing it to a seller to, to evaluate. And yeah. you're like, well, but it, it, it's, those things you, you hit the nail on the head. It's like, we, 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 we think that this is going to, you know, we're saving it for another day for that future, uh, you know, fortune we're going to make. And people are very sadly, um, they, they get some truths that they don't want to hear because their things are not as valuable as they think they were. Yeah. It's really interesting what you said, though, that this unwillingness to let things go, how it's rooted in the past, which obviously makes sense. And I don't think that that's a particularly hot take, but or I don't know the future Anna, as well. Sorry, I meant to say. Do you think in a way that we get stuck there because it's like 
we just don't know what to do with reality. Like we're just sort of like, like using your example of the shirt, it's like you're caught in this zone. I call it aspirational clutter. So I aspire to be Effie from 2018 one day, or I had golf clubs. I don't know why, because I thought I'm going to network with people and I'm going to meet these people. And I'm going (laughs) to, so I bought myself golf clubs and, and, you know, I'm a tourist, so I want the quality, the best quality I can find. <laughs> and those golf clubs sat in my garage for four years. I think I took them out once. And then I had to let that go. I was happy to let that dream go because I'm not a golfer. But it's these things. We hang on to snowboards. We hang on to golf clubs. We hang on to clothes that don't fit. Concert t-shirts, clothes that don't fit, um, clothes that we buy to wear to some imaginary garden party that we may attend one day. Stop calling me out like that, Effie. <laughs> yes. Uh, maybe I have some outfits for imaginary situations. I go through this every time before I travel to where I suddenly am like another person where I'm like, maybe I wear hats in Guatemala. And I'm like, you don't wear hats. Why would you wear them in another country? You know? Or bringing back items from vacation that are really great on vacation. Like I'm going to wear this, you know, what wrap thing. And yeah, like, no, I'm not. Now the times, <laughs> uh, the times I have bought something on vacation, and then like the second I exited my apartment in New York was like, nope, you know, that I was exactly this sarong is not meant for New York City or whatever, you know, like. Oh my God. Um, something I've learned as a, as a reader is when we bump up against identity is when people lash out the most, you know, is so when you're saying to somebody, Hey, notice those golf clubs. Do you play golf? You know, <laughs> I also deal with my mom gives me a lot of gifts. It's a real love language in my family. And I sometimes like just feel really guilty. You know, I feel guilty even though I have more than enough bags, I know I don't like this bag or whatever. I I get caught up where I want to place everything in a home. I don't want to just donate or I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I also feel bad about the environment and like what we're doing to Ghana and, you know, places where all these clothes are ending up. What are ways to counter some of those emotional things that come up about letting things go? Because I'm, I now have come over a little bit to the other side of like, it has felt so good. Like I got rid of like six boxes of books. I gave a ton to some friends and then the rest I just donated to free libraries and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, it feels so good to have this space. And and I did it with a lot less guilt than I usually feel of like, oh, so-and-so gave me this and I feel really bad giving it away. Like, it's almost like how can we tap into sometimes our like inner sociopath perhaps <laughs> to just be really like matter of fact and be like you're not a golfer and that's okay you're allowed to not be a golfer give these golf clubs to someone who will be a golfer how do we kindly sort of like get real with ourselves and and if if guilt i don't know if you like i'm sure you've heard the guilt thing i'm sure that comes yeah. up you Anna, know you want to work for me because you you're right on you're right on the money with <laughs> everything you're saying So I use humor a lot and kindness and you have to gauge, but typically, um, typically the clients that come to me are fun, uh, want to make, they they don't enjoy this. That's why they hired me. So what I say is let's make it fun to get it done. And I like that. I I always, I always use humor in my intake to see if if it resonates with that client, if they're ready for that kind of uh, work. And I find humor and, um, 
you know, asking them like, so, okay, so, it, you know, we have the, all this electronic equipment. And so I'll make a joke. And I, you know, one of the, on one of the television shows, I said to, to the participant, I said, looks like a graveyard of electronics. And is like, why don't we, and so what I try to do is use humor, but try to have, try to get people to envision their home, their space. Tell me what your vision is for the space so that mm. I can use that language, not in, not in a, in a way that's going to be, um, what's the word? I don't want to trick anybody, but I want yeah. to speak their language and, and maybe they can part with something because they're like, well, maybe I don't need those golf clubs. Maybe, maybe I can sell them maybe because selling is like so loaded, but maybe if I let them go, I'll have space for something else. And I want to say, once someone gives you a gift, we talk, we talk about gifts. Once someone gives you a gift, it's yours to take. It's yours to do with what you want. And so I wish a lot of people would understand when I give someone a gift, I don't want to have it tied with strings attached that um, if, if someone gives you a vase, for example, not your thing, but they're coming over. So you got to you got to put it out. And I can't tell you how many people have a, have a cupboard of things for when people come over that have given me because I have to honor them and show them that, that I still have it. We need to stop that. We need to even ask people like, you know, is there something you need? And I'm like that in my own family, like with my husband, it's like, what do you want for your, he just turned 60 last weekend. I said, what would you like? He's like jazz CDs and, and a book. And I want to go for Italian dinner done. And yeah. not everything has to be a surprise, you know, and th this way we don't burden people with things that we think they might need. Right. Yeah. Like consumables are good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is, I have yeah. these boundaries now, like with, boundaries, you know, exactly. my family, like I've just, like, I'm really serious and, 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 you know, there's one person in my family who kind of like plays a game with it on, and they'll sort of be like, Oh, you're, you know, like you're such a hoarder, but then like gives me stuff. Mm -hmm. And I've been calling them out about that. And I'm like, quit sort of putting me down about that, but then feeding the problem. Now, you know, you, did you get an answer to that? I'd be curious. They, well, they were like, well, uh, you know, and I, I just was like, that's for you to go work out with your therapist. But like, you know, I'm pointing out what I'm seeing here and what's frustrating me. Like if you, if you want to know why at this point, I literally have yelled at you, stop giving me stuff, you yeah. know, like yeah. this is why, you know, yeah. I think for sometimes like it's tricky, especially in family is because we're usually trying to connect and we're usually trying to make somebody happy. And if we know stuff makes someone happy or we know, you know, um, food or whatever, you well, know, I like never tell anybody, never tell your family member. I'm, I love turtles because you yeah. get turtle themed everything for the rest of your life. It's so, really true. Cautionary note. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it, it is a joke. Like, I mean, I love turtles, by the way, <laughs> well, I, well, I mean, now it's on a podcast. So hopefully you, you will, you will get all the no, turtles. No, no. <laughs> Give the money to turtle sanctuaries. If anybody needs to buy anything. <laughs> that's true. Like I do, but I do think that there's this like interesting relationship that where we, generally people are trying to say to us, like, I see you, I love you. And they, we do it in our culture via stuff. We do it via gifts. We v do it. I do think it can be helpful. Like what you just did, like, don't send me turtles, give it to organizations. You know, like, I do think it can be helpful to give people sort of the channel. And honor it in an intentional way. Yeah. Most of us want to please the people we love, you know, like it's just like a natural thing. And like my mom is very anti-stuff 
stuff. And she's been doing like some purging as well. And she's very tidy, very neat and all these things. But she just kind of goes through these phases where she just feels so encumbered. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just so much for her to like keep track of and that sort of stuff. And it's interesting. Like when I go, okay, well, like Christmas is coming up or your birthday's coming up and I don't want to get you stuff. And it's kind of sweet. Like it's kind of sweet when you get like a Christmas list from your mom and it's like, you know, she wants these like fancy pastels. It's like, it's also been cute. Like rather than be like just taking a stab at it or, you know, being defeated, like, oh, no, she doesn't want stuff, but she's hard to buy for, you know, it's like, ask. It's yeah. It's been a good exercise. That's normalized asking. Yeah. Like, I, I just think it, it, it. there's so much that we, we give to people and we burden them with these kinds of items that just ask. It, it, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I mean, all the people that like to do surprises are going to be mad, but <laughs> I just think if you're trying to get around the, the clutter issue, this is one way to do it. There, and there's still choice in it. You know, like your husband said, jazz CDs. I assume you were still picking those out. Like there's still a way no, to like, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. That's like my brother. My brother would be like, have you gotten me my, uh, my birthday present yet? And I'm like, no, because it's three months before your birthday and we're not children, you know? And he'll be like this book on World War II. I'm like, all right. Copy that, you know, but there is a satisfaction. Like, even if like, I do like buying gifts. I like coming up with those ideas, but Mm -hmm. it only really like feels good to me if I know they are going to love it and it is going to fit into their life. Like I hate buying something just to check it off the list or just to be like birthday acknowledged or whatever. I'm curious, like how with the environment melting, you know, it's like 84 degrees in New York today, which is bizarre in April. Very warm here where I am too. Is it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you're up north. Yeah. You're in, you're in Canada. Do you have any thoughts on the environment and sustainability Mm -hmm. in organization? Because something that I always become aware of is my consumption and just where I'm over consuming or consuming, I become aware of like, why do I have five of the same fucking black sweater? Mm -hmm. You know, that maybe if I had a better system, I wouldn't keep buying black sweaters because I would know that I had one. Do you think that most of us, I mean, I think all of us probably just have more than we could ever need in a lifetime, you know? I think it's lifestyle, Anna, too. I think we are busy people and we're moving from place to place. And like you said, you're unpacking, you're leaving things, you're moving on to the next project. So things aren't together, like with like, we call it. And you're like, I can't find my black sweater. I need to go on a trip. Okay, I'm just going to pack what I have and I'll buy what I need when I get there. Mm -hmm. So part of it is convenience. Part of it is lifestyle. Mm -hmm. We're busy. We don't have time. We might have, you know, we have busy lives. So we don't always have time to, you know, organize things in such a way that they can access it when they need it. I found something on Twitter today that's just fascinating about consumption. Um, And it's just timely. And I took a screenshot. So it says, I hate the word boomers, but so it is. A profound generational divide is boomers came of age when education and houses were cheap, but home goods were expensive. And they now don't get why their kids aren't grateful for the furniture and tchotchkes they keep trying to pass down when kids are renting 600 foot apartments. Oh, right. This is a big time that, yes, my, right? my mom keeps being like, do you want this chaise lounge? And right. I'm like, Inherited I live water. in right. a 700 square foot apartment. Like, no, I don't want your chaise lounge, you know? Right. <gasps> yeah. Right. That's so, really so, interesting. 
So it's, it's, it's trying to, and I wanted to say that because we're talking about, I mean, you're in New York city. There's a lot of people that are in smaller apartments and a lot mm-hmm. of people that call me that need help. It's like, I have no space, but I've got not only all my stuff, but my mom's stuff that she gave me and dead people's stuff, my grandparents. Yeah. So they're not only living with their stuff and, and it's about boundaries. Again, you're talking about boundaries. It, it's, it's saying to someone, thank you. I will take a few things that have meaning for me, but I want to create my own future. We want to also be environmentally, you know, we don't just want to throw things in the garbage. So you were talking about, I like to get things to homes where, where people can use them. And it does, it does take a bit of effort. Uh, it takes effort on my part too. And I actually, I enjoy doing that kind of thing. So um, some, if I think that someone will, something will do good, I had for an, for example, a keyboard that, uh, a group I'm part of sent it to the Dominican Republic to a school that didn't have, and that was really cool. It was intentional, but I think not just organizers, but I think we all have to do a little bit of part, a little bit of research to say, where can that need? where might it go? And, and the free groups are not always the best because people will take free stuff just because it's free. So big time. I think, yeah, organizations that disperse things to people in need, people in precarious living situations that we might, uh, but, but if you don't need it in your, so I guess I'm trying to circle this back to if you're housing things from people because of guilt or because you've inherited something and, and your, your, your home is now just a storage facility, it's not doing any good to anybody. And yeah. one day when you move, people people get bins and they throw it in the garbage. And it's I just it's sad. It's like because they just don't have any other way to deal with something when it becomes a behemoth, right? When yeah. it becomes like now I have to unload a three, three and a half thousand square foot house. Yeah. Do you think storage spaces are another way we lie to ourselves that ideally we're not getting these big spaces that but we can just throw things in it's delayed decision making i think storage lockers have their place for people in transition so um Mm. i'm now in a 300 square foot apartment i I need a storage locker because i'm only going to be here for six months and then i'll be back or people selling their homes that need somewhere to store uh things in between but those things things that go the term and it really applies to adhd out of sight out of mind yeah. Once they go into a storage locker, things get forgotten or basements. Basements are notorious for that. Yeah. So I think anything we're keeping in a, and the return on investment, you could be paying like $700 to $1,500 a month for storage facilities after 10 years, basically that's paid for, right? Cause we're not typically going to put our treasures in a storage locker. It's stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, totally. Right. So after 10 years of you know, you could have gone out and bought yourself all new stuff. And, but people are, I guess they get stuck. It's that stuck feeling of not being able to, you know, delaying a decision because my mom's still alive. And if she knows I got rid of that thing, I'm going to feel horrible. Yeah. Do you think it's worth it for people to say, you know, mom, like, I know this is going to upset you, but I'm getting rid of the blah. Do you think people should be honest about it? Or do you think they should just do it and and hope it never comes up? I think I think um, I've done it myself. Like my 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 sweet, sweet mom made this huge needlepoint thing and, and it took her years to do. And it's like a Victorian with a woman with her, you know, slipper or shoe falling off. And it's not my thing. So I said to my mom, mom, I I just, I will not use it. 
And so <laughs> she's got it in her place now. And she's like, well, I don't want it. <laughs> so That's so really funny. But mom, we need to be honest with each other at the outset because like you shouldn't have embarked on this project if, you know, and I, I do, I still feel bad. I feel, you know, small B bad. Yeah. But, <laughs> I like but, that. But I think, I think we just have, we, we should be, I, I, again, when I said it's your gift and it's yours to, to give away, I'm talking about like, you know, a mug or whatever. Yeah. It's yours. You do with it what you want. It's like, especially when people are afraid and people have passed away. And I know people have different thoughts on spirituality and people looking down on us. And, 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 and my mom is, you know, in this other place and she's looking down on me and I feel bad, but I tell people, you know, your loved ones want you to be happy. They don't want you to feel burdened by their gifts. So yeah. if you feel you need to have a conversation, cause it's something especially sentimental or something that they have that conversation. But if it's something that you, you know, you can give yourself permission to let go of, you know, like a month from New York. Yeah. <laughs> it's, okay. it's okay. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think it's also worth asking yourself sometimes too, like, what is the symbolism or something like I know for some people like my father died when I was young and stuff it can be easy to try to keep those connections through stuff or whatever and obviously it's painful to sometimes go like I'm holding on to this because it's the only thing I have. Mm -hmm. But but that can also, I think sometimes getting clear about that can be liberating, even if you don't get rid of the object, to just mm -hmm. be like, mm -hmm. I'm keeping this thing because it is the last thing I have of this person. And, you and know? it's intentional, though. It's, it's, yes. It's, it's something that is intentional and you've put a lot of thought into it. It's not just I'm going to hang on to all the furniture from their old house because they gave it to me and now I feel bad to get rid of it. Yeah. I I have, you know, from my parents, I have their wedding cake topper and I put it in a place of honor. So I put it in my drawer. When I open my drawer, my wedding rings are there. And it's something that it's a little bit of, you know, Marie Kondo says spark, sparks joy for me. Yeah, that's and, sweet. And it might not be something functional that I need, but it's something very important and sentimental to me. But I've been very intentional about it and intentional about its placement. Because, I mean, I'm sure you've heard this. I People will say, I'm hanging on to my grandmother's china. And I say, where is your grandmother's china? Which is in the, oh, it's so special to me. I can't get rid of it. It's in the basement in a box. I'm not sure which box. And I said, okay, let's open the box. Let's display it. And they're like, well, it's not my style. I, I don't want to use it. I just need to keep it. And so... I literally and, and, have my parents' china okay. and it takes up so right? much room in my oh. cupboard and I never use it. It is not oh. my style. When we finish this record, I'm asking my mom for permission to get rid of it. But, but what about keeping a teacup or keeping, you know, it's okay to break sets, people. It's okay. And <gasps> you, right? Ah. And so I suggest to people, why don't, you know, a teapot and a teacup, put it up high, like on a little display shelf. So every time you open the cupboards, you get a little spark of joy and you don't necessarily have to put it out on your bookshelf, but yeah. it's a, it, it can make you go, Oh, grandma, I, yeah. do that. I have some teapots from um, different people in our families that have given us and they sit up high on a shelf, but close behind closed cupboards. When I open the cupboard, it's a, it's those cupboards that no, no man's land that no one gets to. So it's, it's like a little museum of like things that make me happy. 
Yeah, I love what you're saying because I think there's this misconception with people who are professional organizers or just very tidy or organized or whatever that y'all don't have attachments. You know that you that y'all are very cut and dry and it's only about use and it's only you know. Mm-hmm. And I love that what you're sharing is this you know like how you can combine these things that like mm-hmm. you can have things that you just love. You know, you can yeah. have things that just make you happy to see it like but you're right. Like the example of the cake topper with your wedding rings, like that's so sweet. What a nice tradition. And like, what a nice way of like holding on to something with intentionality. But like, that's also like, I think a lot about the little things that really increase our quality of life that are mm-hmm. like free or it's mm-hmm. like, literally it is just making the effort. It's like, yeah. I'm sure every time you open that door, it delights you. And what a small thing, like you literally oh. just drew your attention to like, that would and permission you're giving yourself a lot of permission as well to be like it doesn't have to be displayed it doesn't have to like it's my thing it makes me feel good I'm going to keep it like in my routine or whatever I'd never thought about it too with my you know it's kind of funny that my own mom was like I don't need this china you want it and um You know, and I was like, all right. I mean, my mom is kind of funny like that. Like she um, melted down her engagement ring from my dad and made just like stacking rings. Like she's like cold blooded in that regard. If she's like, well, I never wore it. It was so dated. It looks so 70s. So I just melted it down. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dang, like he died, yo. And but she's like, but if I'm not using it, what's the point? She's honoring him in a different way. Exactly. Honoring him. Yeah. Like I didn't get it when I was like in my early 20s. But now I'm like, oh, no, like that makes total sense, you know, Mm -hmm. and I love the idea like I don't use my mom's china and I never would. And it feels like this thing that just takes up all this space in my cupboard. But you're you're right. Like, would I use the dessert plates? You know, like, would that be fun? And I'm like, yeah, I think it would. You know, like, I think I feel more intimidated by this huge set of it. Because, you know, she got married in the 70s when you you had, you know, people oh, did yes. gift you a whole set, yeah. blah, 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 you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She has all the shit, you know, like yeah. all of it, like that kind of, you know, and she's like, do you want this? And I'm like a silver, th- like, no, you know, but um, I had a brass duck. <laughs> yeah, for real. But I hadn't thought of like making it accessible. It's interesting you're drawing some parallels and like, I'm definitely somebody in my family who's willing to just sort of like hold space or hold. And it's like, and that also extends to holding an entire set of well, China, well, you know, like you're the keeper of the China. And that's yes. a lot of guilt. I'm not saying your mom is making, but we make ourselves feel guilty. She's probably not even thought about it since she gave it to me. It's me. It really, it it is me creating that or me being like, well, you know, he died, but they were happy. You know, it's all of that. And it's, it's like China doesn't have to have anything to do with that. You know, Mm -hmm. like that's all my emotional stuff I should maybe sort through and not just like keep China in a cupboard. Well, that's why I say it's, it's typically not about the stuff. It's about all those other little tangled, you know, the arms that are, are the chains that bind us to our stuff, right? Yeah. Many of those that for it, many different reasons for different people. Yeah. Like, I think it can be a little 
simplistic when people are just like, it's just stuff or it's just, it's like, even for the most minimalistic person, it's mm-hmm. like things still have a meaning. Things are still imbued with meaning for us. Mm-hmm. Things still have significance or, you know, or memory or what, you know, like you, I think you can't discount all of that, that mm-hmm. people are coming to this st- like with that. As we start to wrap up, which like this flu, I could talk to you about all of this for ages. What did we not touch on that you would like to share? Because I can feel like you're so prepared and you're so knowledgeable. Letting go, it's not easy for anybody. I just, more importantly, I, I think people should give themselves grace and give themselves the permission to let go. No one is living your life but you. And, you know, I tell clients, think about a backpack. Like, what do you want to put in your backpack? to take with you on the rest of your life. Like are the things you're hanging on to, are they serving you now and moving forward? You can honor the past by keeping those very intentional things that you curate to keep in your home. But the, all that other stuff, is it serving you or are you feeling tethered to, you know, through guilt? So start small because it can be overwhelming for people. Recognize that people are different and as we said, tied, being tidy is not a moral imperative. Um, it's whatever system works for you that gives you a quality of life that is going to, to to help you deal with the stresses in life. I mean, people realize that over the last three or four years with what we went through, that the state of my house didn't help me deal with this other thing. Or um, we want to keep our spaces in such a way that if, if something happens to us and we have like what I call a plot twist that we don't have, we can take our energy and focus it on helping someone getting better, doing whatever we need to do. We don't have to worry about um, the mental health effects of too much stuff in our house. And, and I really think that's, that's all that tidying is. It's, it's helping you brace yourself for the inevitable ever life things that are going to happen to us. Yeah, I have found to Effie's point as well is that when I am staying on top of it and I'm being tidier or more organized or whatever, I also am more receptive to care and allowing people like into my life or mm, it can be very access- isolating. Yeah, or it can be very isolating. Yeah, that I think you can start to feel isolated. You can start to feel, I think, a bit like imprisoned or whatever. But it can be really difficult, I think, to feel like people can access you and you can access others. And whenever I have finally just gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, I admit defeat. It's gotten away from me. This is not my area of expertise. And I've either asked for help or hired professionals or whatever, the relief of also not feeling alone in it has also been like really profound for me that especially people just being like, oh yeah, like, okay, like, yeah, all right, we'll help you figure this out or let's do this or here's a plan or whatever that I have found really goes into other parts of my life, you know, that it isn't just my home. It's not just my environment. It's not just my bookcase. It's like, it's not a panacea. It's really not. It's mindset. And when you deal with all that other stuff that bubbles underneath, it starts to get, I mean, with, with executive function challenge, you do need some um, retraining of neural pathways. So yeah, habit building, very important. 
work on repetition, habit building, set it and forget it. You said earlier, that's really important if you can do that with as much because we don't want to tax our working memory. And by having, to, it's like putting post-it notes, do the laundry, da, da, da. you want to as much as possible, get all these things you can automate off of your working memory so that we use working memory for import, for more important, higher functions as well. Yeah. And that's something too, that I have felt more recently reminded of is that when I will deal with these things, well, first of all, like something I feel freshly reminded of is avoidance makes nothing better. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's rude. I hate it as well. It's scarier than what it really is. Yeah. The unknown yeah. is scarier than typically what really is going on. Yeah. And it's, you know, like even when I was finding organizers for my place, like even just making the phone calls made it feel better, you know, yeah. like of just talking to someone and then being like, okay, yeah, send us some photos of your place. And like, I was like, wow, like nothing's happened and I feel better, you yeah. know, that was really impactful for me. But also action, action creates motivation, right? And it creates momentum. Yeah. And just like really as someone who's like cultivated a fair amount of presence, it was also cool to be able to feel it a bit more of like, oh my gosh, it feels so much better without that thing just sitting there or like, oh, that feels good, you know, to have let that go. But it was really amazing to me. Like I, you know, I probably am the most in service of my creativity than anything else um, in my being. And when I dealt with some of this stuff that had been on my to-do list for like literally years, like mm-hmm. some of it would like two years, I had been like, get rid of broken thing, you know, uh, when I did it, the space it created for other stuff, like you said, I wasn't taxing that part of my brain that kept being like, we got to tick it off the list, we got to tick it off, you know, that it all of a sudden it was like, you know, just more things were coming to me, more ideas. And I was like, oh, and I was like making it. And I was like, because I'm getting rid of this like eternal, yeah. you know, to-do yeah. list. My brain has had to keep like hitting refresh on. And, and, and there's no shame in that. We hire yeah. physical coaches. Uh, we hire um, coaches to help us get in shape. We hire coaches for different things for our careers. There is nothing wrong with hiring a coach to help you with if you're having issues with clutter in your home, it's just another support system. There's no shame in, in, yeah. in asking for, for support because we tell people all the time, you know, if you need help, ask for support. So this is no different. There is no there's no law that said we have to be born tidy. I I, I don't know how to do you know exercise. I like I need <laughs> a coach beside me saying do three push-ups, do do, and and that's what I need. And so that's why I can empathize with clients because it's like. This isn't necessarily in their wheelhouse and they just need, some people don't even know how to get rid of like in an apartment, how do I get rid of a bottle of old oil or something like that? So we don't, oh, we shouldn't intuitively have the answers to everything. It's impossible. Yes. And if, you know, like obviously organizing and things can be expensive. It is a privilege mm-hmm. to be able to hire people. Yes. I would say though, that as someone who's both done it on my own and hired people, I would say most of us have a friend who is very tidy and naturally make a deal with that friend. Be like, can I take you out for dinner if you come over on Sunday and help me clean out my closet or something? I also would recommend to people as someone who struggles with all of this, you know, 
you will want to redo your entire space, that will be what sinks you. Mm-hmm. Choose one thing of like, I'm going to focus on the the pantry, like, and, and really narrow it down. I or mean, a category, like niche right down. It's like, I'm going to do my clothes. I'm going to do just my pants. Yes. And, and try not, don't tell yourself, I'm going to do everything in the closet in one day. If that's overwhelming, work on your belts or work on your underwear or work on your just those pieces at a time but doing it in categories can really help you because you can assess the volume of what you have yes and it can be encouraging and it can be motivating when i i was really surprised when i started breaking it down into bite-sized tasks mm-hmm. how much it created momentum for me because i had definitely been an all or nothing person i had mm-hmm. definitely been like i'm going to fix my entire apartment in this weekend otherwise i want no part of it you know like i definitely was all or nothing and that was creating this self-defeating cycle mm-hmm. but when i really was like i'm going to go through exactly like all my t-shirts and Mm -hmm. what is my criteria anything that's stained is automatically going Mm -hmm. you can get all all you can get a lot of advice for free on social media following different accounts but make sure that you're following accounts that are inclusive and accessible and because you don't want to feel like you're not living up to some standard i have a low barrier entry into accessing me too. So I, I just, I ran a, a workshop for the month of April it was five, one hour sessions. It was $60 Canadian, which is what? $5 us. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we and, do benefit from that exchange, well, but <laughs> right? and, and it's basically an hour every Sunday. And I, because I want to be accessible and I want to be um, inclusive. People can keep their camera off if they don't, because I don't shame people for not participating and they can even use that one hour session as a body doubling session just to get stuff done. It's like, okay, Effie's going to be there for an hour. I'm going to listen in and I'm going to uh, do my linen closet or I'm going to, you know, do, do whatever. But it's there. It's not just me, but you can find places and find the organizer or the person that speaks to you and yeah. that you resonate with. And um, I think it, it can be very supportive. It, like you had said a friend or absolutely. If you guys could trade off sometimes and. Yeah, like a lot of times I have found with my tidier friends, like they're very open and willing to help. Like they're like, I am good at this. Yeah, It can be also, there's a warning there that sometimes with friends, it can be a little loaded because friends, so you have to set, I would say if you're going to do it with a friend, set the boundaries at the outset and say, you know, either be brutal with me or don't. Yes. Or tread carefully. So yes. because that can break up friendships. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. Like I've had some friends that will be like, oh my God, I'll help you. And I'm like, you cannot help me. You know, I've just <laughs> yeah. known that I'm like, that we'll just fight the entire time, you know? And like one of my friends, it was so funny. He's like, I can't do it. He's like, cause you're just going to whine with me to keep everything. And I was like, you're right. You know, when I have had that magic with a friend, like it, I have felt it like it has been clear, like, oh, we could do this. So I, to Abby's point, yeah, don't make it worse and don't choose someone that maybe is going to be judgmental or whatever. But, um, you know, like sort of similar to your energy. I think it's like, I knew immediately, like when I saw your social, like you were cool, you know? And I think sometimes we can know that about our friends, like, oh, this person isn't going to be judgmental or whatever. Have you, where can people find you? Okay. So, um, on my website, uh, my company's organized that. So organize that.ca because I'm Canadian. I'm also on uh, Hoarders Canada, which yes. is, uh, yeah. She's a, a TV star from, from working <laughs> on the background and now on the screen. There you go. And it, so it's airing on the Makeful Network in Canada right now. It is part of the Hoarders A&E 
show. So I had, I think I've heard it's going to air as part of their lineup in June. Cool. So you'll be able to catch it then, uh, like June or July. I'm just not sure. It hasn't been uh, confirmed yet. But yeah, so you can social media. I'm at organized dot that uh, website. I'm on, you know, I'm and and I have consultations. And even if you just want to call and chat, I love chatting with people because <laughs> every time I talk to someone, it's like I learn and gain so much from my clients that I've always I don't know what it is, but I've always felt energy exchange is so like I honor that so much. And you said mm-hmm. being able to be with someone when they tell like my my world has exploded as a result of this career. And I feel really honored to be able to uh, sincerely that sounds a bit, you know, but it's so true. It's like, yeah. I'm honored to do to do what I do and have people trust me the way they trust me and to be able to just even if I help someone down the river a little bit to get to where they need to go. I've done my part. I think that it comes through like, you know, I initially only really knew you through Instagram. And I think also the way that you like praise your clients and applaud like what they do, you know, there, there was a time you really moved me with it was like an older woman client. And you were like, look at what all she got through today, you know, and I was like, this is also really nice, like, you know, and and like shame loves silence. And so I think also the way that you show your pride in what people do and the that they are facing their things and they are looking at it and, you know, like your passion for this, I think is also really inspiring that you're like, ah, like, let me, like, doesn't this photo even feel better? You know, like imagine being in the space. Like, I think that that comes through, which is like really powerful, especially like if it is, I think sometimes when you feel really uh, underwater with stuff, it can be, it can be really hard to believe that it won't always feel like that or it won't always be that way. And I think the way you approach things and even from like, you know, your marketing materials, like I think you make it really clear that there's there's another reality that's available to you and that you will help them achieve it. And I think that that can be really like regardless of whether or not people work with you, I think it's powerful to hear that, to remind yourself that change is possible. Evolution is possible. Letting go of things is possible. You know, it's a journey. There is no finish line guys. Yeah. The finish line keeps moving. Oh. So it's a journey. And I, I tell people because people come to me in periods of transition typically. So I say, use your unique skills and experience to create something meaningful for you, for your journey. It's not mm. my journey. You're not pleasing me. It's to, it's wherever that journey goes. And it's amazing when you create space, that journey opens up and you can find other roads too. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing all of that, you know, with us today. I super appreciate it. You still, I can't wait to go off and think about body doubling and text my therapist about that. Fascinating. This has been so helpful and lovely. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Anna. It's been my pleasure. And I really appreciate um, meeting you and, 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 giving me this platform to share my passion. Yeah. Likewise. I'm so glad. I'm so so glad you did share it. That's all for today. So thanks everybody. Bye. I don't know about y'all, but I learned a lot in this episode and the whole concept of body doubling. Effie and I at this point recorded this over a week ago and I'm still 
really looking at how body doubling super helps me and helps me get things done that otherwise I would struggle to. So I hope you got as much out of this episode as I did. And that's it. I'll see y'all next week. Bye. That's all for today. If you're interested in submitting a topic, please go to anatonk.com and hit the contact button. Or you can email me at anatonk at gmail.com. If you're a fan of the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really does help.